Welcome to Immigrate. Welcome to a space where you can be vulnerable, a space where you're not going to be judged, a space where you can be authentic. And my hope and desire is to inspire and motivate everyone that click onto this podcast. So welcome to another episode of Immigrate. Welcome to another episode of Immigrate. I'm so excited for um, this guest I have on today, Nancy. She was migrated from Kenya. I'll let her tell you about her story. Her story is so powerful. And she's a consultant. She's a coach. I mean, guys, trust me, when I drop her information in my description, you're definitely going to want to go check her out. She's she's doing a lot of things in the community, and I'm so happy to talk to you. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you, Tasha. Thank you. So, Nancy, tell me about yourself. Right. Tell me about yourself. That is always an interesting question. <laughs> it reminds me like when you go to an interview and they say, tell me about yourself. <laughs> right. So, as you mentioned, I'm Nancy Nongari, and I'm born and raised in Kenya, East Africa. I live in Germany, where I've been living for over 25 years with a few interruptions. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's who I am as a person professionally. I'm a consultant. I consult on digital marketing. And I'm also a published author and um, a certified coach. So that's what I do professionally. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So you moved to Kenya too. So where did you move to? I migrated to Germany. I had been to another country before. I had been to England when I first got my passport. You know, in my home country, we get our passports from 18, 19. You're allowed to get your passport and travel. So I believe I was, before I I turned 20, I went to visit friends in England. So I had been to London before. And then, uh, you know, it was was a six, was it six months? I think six months. Yeah, back then we used to have like, you could have like without a visa because of the Commonwealth. So you could stay in a country, in a Commonwealth country in England for six months. I think I stayed for three months. I had some good friends there. And then I went back to Kenya, but to Germany, I migrated because of a partnership. I had a partner who we moved here to Germany with. Oh, why? My husband's family is from Germany, so that's very nice. (laughs) It is. I know. Small world, eh? Indeed. Do you speak German? Or does he speak German? I don't. No. Listen, I don't even think his mom. Does he? No, I don't think. So you mean like He's born in Canada. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's born in. So he's, yeah, he's born in, yeah. So why do you think you, okay, so you said you moved to Germany because of love. Mm -hmm. Mm Woohoo! So, um... Why do you think that was the reason? Is it because of um, not just love, but what else do you think that you moved there for? Um, like I said, my partner. My partner had been working in Kenya. He was an expatriate for four years. And okay. uh, we were, you know, we were living together. And then when his contract ended, then, you know, we moved to Germany. Or rather, he came first and got things and then I joined him. I had visited before we actually permanently moved here and I got a, mm-hmm. a, a really huge shock. 
but that's mm-hmm. part of the conversation i'll share with that later as we move along so exactly and that's what i'm gonna ask you know tell me your experience <laughs> while living there exactly so you go right into that oh wow okay before even living here i mean he used to tell me like when we were in kenya you know i don't know they had like football made in germany or he would travel you know back to germany for whatever to check up with his employer and you know when we would talk about you know okay what about when the contract ends and moving he would say you know it's it's not easy in germany people are the culture he didn't say it outright you know that it's not very you know like immigrant friendly but mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, you're just saying that because, you know, you're just you trying to, to discourage me, you know. But he would Ugh. drop hints like that. And then what happened was um, before we even moved here, we went to visit his parents. And oh, wow, that was a, that was a shock. Um, when we went, when we arrived, they lived in a village, in a little village. And so, you know, traveling. And when we arrived, it was late at night. So they were sleeping or you know, the, nobody was there to like, you know, receive us. We arrived late in the night, I think after 11 or something, flights or whatever. I can't remember the backstory. But in the morning when we woke up, um, the shock of my life, his dad had left the house because he didn't want to like cross paths with me. You know, it was like his parents' birth house because he didn't have a house here. You know, we were living in Kenya. But then, you know, he was coming to see his, his, his parents and his dad had woken up and left early in the morning so that we don't cross paths. And his mother, she was hostile and she was upset with him. And she's like, how could you bring a black woman to the village? And this is a shame for me. And everybody's talking. They live in a really, really small village, you know. And I was, you know, when I look back now, that was traumatizing, but I didn't know at that point that that's trauma, you know, but I, I was in shock because I'm like, what is wrong with my black skin? I, I, I didn't expect that kind of a, a reaction from his parents and he was embarrassed about it and he tried to kind of, you know, you know, they've never seen a black woman. I said, yeah, but you've been living like in, in a black country for like four years. I think it was three years and something. And, you know, they would call sometimes and, you know, they said hello, you know, on the phone. So I was very shocked. But I think he was also, um, I think he was ashamed about it and tried to defend me. And, you know, his mother was against it. His parents were against our relationship or even worse, our marriage. So that was very shocking. That was my first encounter with, um, you know, like direct racism, like not covert. It was very overt. It was very obvious. And looking back now, I think that kind of had an imprinting on me and, um, you know, my, on a subconscious level that, you know, years later, it would take me to kind of process that. So, yeah, that was some of the un- very unpleasant experience that I had. And so when we moved, when we got married and, and you know, it, it would be Christmas or Easter or something. And he's like, OK, are we going to Madre? He would call his mother Madre. I'd say, I am not going to that place. <laughs> And after right. a while, I was like, okay, you know, respect, you know, we, we come from a culture in Africa, you respect the elders and, you know, and he was like, come on, they're sorry. And they had not met you and, you know, we were not married then. So you were just a girlfriend and they were upset. I was like, yeah, but we've been girlfriends for more than for three years. You know, it's not like I'm not a stranger. And we would go, but I always felt very uncomfortable. They tried to be, you know, like, yeah, to kind of accommodate me. 
But when you know what someone thinks of you from the first impression, it's kind of hard to it overlook that. It stuck in your head. Yeah, it's hard to overlook it that. It does. So I really only went when I really had to, and sometimes it was a, a reason for us to argue because I'm like, those people, they don't like me, you know? And, you know, I'm just... I, and yeah, but they're my family and you're my wife. And it was, it was, it was challenging. It was challenging. Uh, you said when, uh, pre, before pre-recording, and if it's okay for, for me to share this, when you said, we sound like we have similar stories mm-hmm. because you're speaking to me right now. Mm-hmm. You're speaking to my soul because I didn't get the same. My, my, my husband's family was not, because um, in Canada, it's no modern, right? But they seen more black people, but I think their reaction of me was not, it was a kind of the same. Because, mm. you know, more outspoken and they're like, who is this person? They're very quiet, right? They're mm. introvert. Mm. And for me, I talk. I'm a very talkative person. Mm. Hence why I started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you have something to say. So, so yes. Yeah. Thanks, so girl. I've always, Thanks. you know, yeah. yeah. I've always have something to say. My mom, I used to back talk. So, they were a little bit drawn back. They said lots of mean things, like stuff they would say. And then I was like, I don't want to go to their house because mm-hmm. I don't think that these people. And my husband was like, no, they like you, but they're not so really used to someone who was so outspoken. And I'm like, well, this is who I am. And, and you know, you get into that defensive mood, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's interesting how, you know, mixing cultures and, and having that interracial differences can make our experience. I mean, there are inter, in, interracial uh, relationships even before our time, you know, back then when there was a lot of segregation or even like in America, and there are couples who, you know, they, they kind of stuck to each other. But sadly, sometimes um, relatives or in-laws, I mean, even on, on, on the you know, the, the, the black person side, they can be a reason for, you know, marriage is not surviving. And you mentioned something about talking a lot. You know, it's, it's um, you speak English and in Canada is English. But when I came here that day, I didn't speak any German. I, I just, maybe one or two words which I'd learned from, you know, my ex-husband. But back then, you know, when we were visiting his parents, I did not speak or understand a single word of German. So communication also, I have no idea what they said. I wonder, you know, what they said. And he was just telling me what they said. Maybe he spared me by <laughs> trying to be gentle. Right. But um, the language also, you know, and, and as you said, the culture, you know, the culture differences. I mean, I can understand if... Um, you know, like they're living in a village or, but blacks are everywhere today. I guess it's different when you're seeing blacks from a distance and when a black person is actually part of your family, you know, where you're mm-hmm. thinking, okay, this, this person has a completely different background. And we human beings, we tend to, um, to be a bit skeptical about what we don't know. If a white man goes right. to my village, you know, the kids will be looking at him, first of all, like you, if they've never seen a white person. And touching his but skin. Is, mm-hmm. But they don't react with animosity, you know. They don't react with, with, like, hatred, if I may say that, or dislike. You know, it's more curiosity. And so, I, you know, I, I, sometimes I don't understand that people have an issue with dark-skinned uh, people or with black people. But, well, that's it's not my place to figure them out. I think we have to figure our way around it and not let that stop us, you know, and not let that. Um... I mean, we're all beautiful, man. God created us all, and I, I don't, I don't see that differently. Kudos to them if they want to see that. I know I'm beautiful. Everybody around me, 
once you're in my presence and in my space, you're going to feel beautiful and you're going to be beautiful. So we rebuke those Mm -hmm. animosity and anything that people want to come with these days. And, you know, it's, it's, it's there. They have to work out that with God because I know my God is not biased Mm -hmm. and you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yeah. with all that, what is the most complex do you think that you um you overcome in, in this journey that you what was the most complex thing moving to Germany? Hmm, the most complex thing. Wow. It, it's not one thing. I think it's just the whole <laughs> I think it's the whole event of besides the culture shock. I think um the most complex thing I would say it's the core cross-culture perspective and having to develop like a new identity because I'm an African. I'm born and raised in Kenya, but I'm living now in this country. So the first thing, one of the first things that we did was I went to the language school to learn the language because I realized, you know, I would ask, you know, the bus driver or whoever, I, I lunch Prussian, the English, do you speak English? And they all said, no, no, in the supermarket, no, no. So I'm like, how am I going to survive if I cannot communicate? Communication is so important. And so one of the first things was, you know, learning the language so I can be able to maneuver my way around or at least, you know, be able to go to a supermarket or, um, and we didn't have mobile phones back then and stuff that you can call your partner and say, hey, you know, I'm here and, and send me a WhatsApp, you know, that, that wasn't there. You, you know, when he went for work and I decided to go out, I had to figure my way around. And so... To answer your question, I would think it's the the mindset of being willing to see the vision of where you are or what you see for yourself, being able to see it and being able to press through it despite the hurdles, you know, and developing by doing so, you develop a new identity, literally, because I'm, yes, I'm, like I said, I'm Kenyan, but I live in Germany. And, you know, our surroundings affect us. The things we go through affect us. So we adapt to the culture and to a lot of, you know, wherever you right. are, you kind of have to adapt, in, 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 not to be a chameleon, because a chameleon will, in green, it's going to turn green, but it still remains a chameleon. So I still remain a black African Kenyan woman living in Germany, but right. my my mindset, I have had to embrace that cross-culture and pick up some of the good things. I mean, there's some good things in the German culture that I've picked up, their work ethic yeah. and, um, you know, how they do things. But at the same time, not losing my identity of my roots and who I am and being proud of it and, and sticking to it. I'll give you a small it might seem insignificant example, but like wearing braids, you know, we black women, we wear our hair differently. And if you wear it straight, you kind of tend to look more, I don't know, they call it neat or whatever. And, and our afros or our braids can, yeah, they can look in messy. a professional setting. It can look like it's not professional, but that's part that's of right. who I am. And I, I embrace right. that and I stick with it. And I'm not about to let someone, um, you know, whitewash my identity so that I can fit in. I'm not trying to fit in. I'm trying to, not trying, but I'm committed to establishing myself with the whole cross-culture as this new personality, not new, but this additional influences of having traveled and having settled here, but still remembering who I am and where I come from. And, and it's in my roots, you know, our bringing is with us, you know, we just pick up other things along the way 
and integrated to to our advantage you know so that's true that's a long long-winded answer i don't even think i answered it <laughs> no 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 you have you have and it's true because um it doesn't matter where we go our mm. identity changes mm. it doesn't it it changes because we're trying to adapt Mm. We have to rebirth, you know. Mm. My identity changed when I came here. Mm-hmm. When I where I grew up in Jamaica, people see me as a little girl, probably the shy one, mm. the one that some people think I was very illiterate, mm. you know. Some people see me at college when I moved to college as oh she's so smart she do this do that. But when I moved to Canada, some people are like oh my god she's lonely she have a family. So our our that it changes our identity. It doesn't matter where we go and what we do. So. It is, it is, I, you have answered the question, and it's true, and for me, I, you, you, I mean, every guest I have on this podcast taught me something, and now when you're talking, I'm thinking, I'm like, she's so right. My identity was changed, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something that was complex for me, because I thought I should be the same person I was in Jamaica, but no, that, that personality, be. we cannot. We cannot be, because I don't know about you if you've gone back home since you, you know, migrate. Have you ever gone back home or do you go back home? I haven't time? gone back home. Okay, no, that, that's, um, you might want to be prepared for that because what happens is when I, 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 you know, I would go home every year and, you know, with time, it took me a while to realize, indeed, I have changed because when you go back, you're not the same Tasha who left and, without realizing we adapt to our surroundings you know mirror neurons the people we are around you know people say whoever you're around we, we adapt subconsciously you know it's just a, a survival mechanism as the bible says you know if you the companion of fools you know shall be destroyed if you walk with the wise you'll be wise just to bring the faith aspect of it like we talked earlier so right. our our company the people we keep company with and even very subconsciously the mannerisms the culture we pick that up so when I would go back to my home country, you know, sometimes they'd be side-eyeing you like, oh, you do that now since you're from Germany? Or oh, is that German? And I didn't even realize that what I was doing was for them um, unfamiliar, you know, because I had picked up that mannerism here and it's part of me. It's part of who I am now. I'm not doing that there like to show them I'm different. I've just adapted on a very subconscious level so you'll realize that when you go back home or when you go back to, you know, where the country you came back from, you realize also, you know, I'll give another example, you know, punctuality or keeping the, your word, you know, like you say, I'll be there at five, you know, then somebody's there at five or they're there the next day, you know, small things. And then I'll be upset and they're looking at you like, what are you making a big deal out of, you know? But that's because where you live, you know, that's the normal. You know, if you say something, you you keep your word and it's expected. So, but then also to answer your question of uh, the biggest challenge, that change, change is very, um, we use it very flippantly. Change is never easy. It's, It's very challenging. It's like a caterpillar when it's becoming a butterfly. There's a lot of struggle going on in that cocoon, you know, before it, it breaks out, you know, and it's very dark in there when the caterpillar is, you know, having the transformation. And for me, the early years when I was here, it was, the change was very difficult. I had a hard time adapting because I didn't have any friends. Like we were talking before we started, I didn't have any friends, you know, in, in Africa, we, you know, we had friends, we would go out, we would do barbecues, we would take safaris, holidays. And here, you know, um, 
he would go to work and I would go to school and then come home and I didn't even know my neighbor. You know, we were living in, you know, you don't know your neighbor. Sometimes you'll go weeks before seeing anybody. And so right. the, the the few friends that I had to make were in the in the language school, you know, and then his parents, because he had also been living abroad for so long, his relationships yeah. with the friends had also changed, you know. So it was very isolating. And that's part of the part that um, people don't, maybe they don't think about. We didn't have like meetups or like Facebook, you know. And so you're literally on your own. It's just you and your partner. And it was a very difficult time. I had a very hard time. I got into substance abuse, you know, because I would, after college, I would buy a bottle of wine and then we'd sit there and, you know, watch TV. And I don't understand the TV. <laughs> we, we didn't have all the English channels. It was just German. And I'm like, let's go oh, out. He's wow. like, no, we can't go out because I can't drink. If I drink, I'm going to lose yeah. my license. You know, I'm like, what? Right. You know, in Kenya, we would go out and, you know, we'd have a drink and big deal. Right. So it was, I wasn't saved at, at that point. You know, we were both atheists, both um, <laughs> disillusioned atheists. So it right. was very difficult. I, 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 I drank a lot and I got into all kinds of substance abuse, started running around with the wrong people, you know, and that change when i talk about it changes you it's yeah. been a long way coming it's it's been um, uh thank you for that yeah. thank you for being so vulnerable um thank you i mean i could we could talk for hours <laughs> and it's true because these things does impact us so how would you think if you could turn back your time of you being your young self what would you tell your young self right now i'm so proud of you oh so Say that again, girls. Say it like you mean it. <laughs> I am so proud of you. I'm mm. so proud of you. Yes. You're still standing. You've been a brave young person. Yeah. And and I would also say I'm sorry for the times I didn't, you know, treat you the way I should have treated you. I'm sorry for the times I mismanaged you or the times I abandoned you or the times I put you in dangerous situations. I would definitely say that. And, and it's not even I would. It's actually something that I am doing because, you know, I've been doing a lot of, do they say your earlier years, you know, because our earlier years also affect our later years, whether we, we realize yes. it or not. And I don't want to be sitting in yeah. some nursing home, rocking back and forth and talking about, you know, when I was 18, you know, this happened to me, you know. So I've been mm -hmm. processing a lot of that stuff that we, especially as blacks, you know, we don't talk about whether it's a trauma and the things we've gone through. So I've been processing a lot of that stuff. And it, part of it is actually telling my younger self and, and recognizing the times when I mismanaged her, when I put her in dangerous situations. And also, you know, just forgiving my younger self because I didn't know better. I did what I did with right. the information I had, with the resources I had. Yeah. So also not being tough on myself, but also being proud of her for, um, yeah, for... <laughs> Being proud of Thank that. you for yeah. that. Thank you for that. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for that. Because not a lot of people would tell themselves that. I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. What encouragement would you leave with an immigrant who is listening? What would you tell them right now? Hmm. Um, wow. I'm always worry about giving. Um, the grass can look greener on the other side you know but sometimes it's because it's been watered <laughs> and so 
you know it's it's the world has become it's it's become a village right there's a lot of migration going back and forth and sometimes we move to another place and think everything is going to change and my whole life is going to be better and then we have a rude awakening a few years down the line you know you know hindsight is always 2020 so the grass wherever you are be happy with yourself there and don't expect that going to another place or if you've just migrated to another place that that is where you're finally going to be happy because here's another thing tasha i actually almost migrated to canada i was in toronto and i wanted to go to montreal and Mm -hmm. that was at a time where my life was really really just was falling apart my marriage was falling apart and i thought you know what migrating is going to moving to another country is going to solve all my problems so i thought yeah we'll go to canada so I took leave from work and I, you know, got a visa and, and went to, I went to Toronto. <laughs> I was going to like oh, scoop nice. the area and then come back and yeah. divorce my husband and then I'll move to Canada and I'll be happy there. <laughs> but wow, God had another plan for me. I had a, a divine encounter with God in Toronto. First of all, I lost all my money at the airport. That was the beginning. And then I missed my flight, you know, and, but it's that's another whole long story. I ended up getting baptized uh, in, in, in Toronto, baptized as a grown person. I'd been baptized as a child. And I had an encounter with God. And by the time my, was it two or three weeks? By the time that was over, I knew that God wanted me in Germany. And I was just, you know, I was being like Jonah, you know, like um, going to Nineveh. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I could have I could have migrated. I made some friends, you know. I asked them, well, how does it work? I could have come back and moved, but I had such a life-changing encounter with God. And by the time I came back to Germany, I knew that um, I'm here for a reason. I'm in this particular country for a reason. And until right. he says, you know... Um, Time for you to move. Yeah. You know, Abraham, take your things and go to a place where you do not know. I'm just going to, yes. you know, keep trusting him day by day and watch his plan mm-hmm. unfold. So I would say to an immigrant, the grass is not always green on the other side. You can make the grass green where you are. If you freshly migrated, then water the grass there and don't put too many expectations on the new place. If you're thinking about migrating, you know, think it through. And remember, wherever you go, you always take yourself with you. So it's important to to build yourself up and have a vision for yourself irrespective of where you are and most important to to trust your creator you know there's a verse that says he ordained us to be born at a certain time and the countries will be living in it somewhere in acts but every time i read it you know i'm like i'm not here by by chance you know i didn't meet that you know um uh, atheist man who became my husband by chance and another thing, I came, I turned back to God in this country, in Germany. I grew up in a Christian home. My mom was born again. But when I was about 16, I, you know, rebelled and, and turned around and said, there's no God because of all the pain I saw and all the trauma I was going through. And I said, there is, there cannot be any God. And I became an atheist, you know. So all along, you know, with my ex-partner. And then when I came back here, you know, this is where God, you know, met me and the prodigal, my prodigal son moment actually happened in this country. So Hallelujah. trust God that he's ordering our steps. Even when we don't ask him, he's got a, there's a grand plan out there. It's funny because I was going to ask you about the same question. How was your spiritual journey in fact? But you already just responded. <laughs> and I, um, it, it is so beautiful how God can lead us. And my previous interview I did 
her name was um, Rochelle Thomas, and she was telling me how when you move into another country, how your life can change in terms of your spiritual life. And sometimes mm-hmm. it either it can either get worse or mm-hmm. it can get better. Mm-hmm. I know she was saying hers got better. It got stronger. You build more faith in mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. and having a, a stronger relationship with God mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter where we think we're going. God has a purpose for us. Mm-hmm. And I love how beautiful you said you wanted to run away like... Um, Jonah. Yeah, in the Bible. Jonah. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And but God said, No, I need you in Germany. I that's <laughs> yeah. where I want you. Yeah. You know, and sometimes wherever God wants us, He plants us there mm-hmm. and He flourishes there. And flourishing looks different for many people. Yeah. You know, flourishing can look like a whole season of no rain, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or flourishing can look like, oh, we're getting it depends, but it's wherever God put us and as we're wrapping up right now, what are three words would you leave with someone that's listening? That you know what? From Nancy, this is what I want to tell people. Three words. Hmm. Three words. Um, you are God's beloved. I think those are more than three. <laughs> you are loved. You are loved. You're loved. Whatever love can look like, you're loved. God loves you. Jesus loves you. That Now, that's more than three words. But in a nutshell, you are loved. Thank you so much, Nancy, for being so authentic and vulnerable. Um, it's never always easy to come on a podcast and meet Natasha. Yes, we met for the first time, everyone. And she sounds like I know her for years. She's going to be my new aunt. Is that okay? Is that okay, Nancy? <laughs> um, and we're going to keep connected and we're going to keep um, interacting with each other online because yeah. this is what mm. online does. It brings people together. And I just want to thank you for coming on and being one of my guests today. Thank you. It was a delight to have you. Thank you Your words of wisdom just touched my heart and um, inspire me who constantly, every time I interview someone, I am internally blessed and encouraged. So I cannot imagine what you will do for my guests or my listeners that's that's listening. And you know what? It's okay. We can, we doesn't matter what we go through, racism. What I mean is like, I mean, okay, you can do what you want to do mm-hmm. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But this is what we want to do. We want to serve God. We want to love people. We want to pour into people. Mm. We want to do the things that God has called us to do, you know? You said it. And we want to love people. I mean, Jesus said, pray for those who spitefully use you and pray for your enemies. And, you know, loving people, like you just said, we want to love people, even they're unlovable, but that loving people doesn't mean we put ourselves in dangerous uh, situations or harmful situations and, you know, be naive as Christians, you know, it's, we use wisdom. You can love people from afar. And I think, um, you know, I get what you mean, you know, when people are racist, it's very easy to take it personally, you know, when, when, because Mm -hmm. it's a personal attack, actually, when somebody is being racist against you, you know, it's easy to take it personally, but we have to rise above that. And by rising above that, I don't mean, you know, the cliche of be the bigger person and walk away. 
sometimes it can mean confronting the person and say, you know, I, I don't think, I, I don't feel what you're doing and I, 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 that's not okay. That's, that's not a good way to treat someone. Or pray for them from a distance. And because sometimes even today when I encounter people who are either covertly being racist, you know, trying to humble you or trying to put you in your place, you know, because you're a black person, I look at them and, and when I'm looking at them, I'm thinking, okay, what is the spirit behind this person? Why they are, do they have maybe their, their, their relatives or their parents, parents, were they, you know, national socialists, you know, you know, you, you have, there's a lot of things you have to consider when you're looking at someone. And most people, Tasha, when they are being um, aggressive or hateful or mean, they actually have things going on with themselves. It's, it's not even about us. Sometimes they're just projecting their insecurities, their fears. You know, like here sometimes Germans, there was a thing where they say, you know, foreigners out because they think, oh, you're coming and you're taking all our jobs. You know, so it, it really... I think sometimes it's wise for us to look at the person and kind of see beyond that human being standing before you, which is hard. It's easier said than done, you know, because we're human, you know, and we hurt. And you, nobody wants to, to be treated badly because of their skin color or because of their, their race or something. But I think mentally, rising above the person mentally, but putting a distance between us and them, you know, because when we dislike someone or when we say, you know, to hell with them, you know, that, that also affects us on the inside. It's hard to pray for someone that you're angry with, you know, to bless them from afar. So, oh my, I said another mouthful there. <laughs> no, 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 it's true. It's for me, it's to hell is like, you know what? And I think it's a terminology too. Um, it's the fact that you said something profound there where, we have to, we, sometimes we have to try and pray for the spirit of the seem beyond. As a Christian, mm -hmm. we too have to understand that we are all humans. And we, when we see people and people say hurtful things to us, mm -hmm. it does impact us. Because mm -hmm. a yeah. lot of people have said hurtful things to me. Yeah. And then it's a thing that God and I mm -hmm. um, has been talking about and um, working out too, right? Mm -hmm. And it's true. We just have to ask God to, to, to deal with these things that mm. internally too, because sometimes I don't know if you listen to Sarah Jake's rubbers. Um, um, not really, but I really, really like her dad. I don't listen to her. So she said something in an interview. She said, she said whenever she read her comment section mm. ever since mm. she said, the things that always hurt her were is the things that, internally that she still struggles with mm. Mm. she said those are the things when people comment about it in the comment section mm. and that stood out to me so much because when people say hurtful things to me mm. it's always the things that i still struggle with and god and i are like god this is what we need to do mm. you know mm. Mm. and it's something sometimes where i'm like god we need to work this out because i'm still struggling with that mm. and it hurts Right. Yeah. It hurts. And yeah. sometimes people say things so deeply. And as an immigrant, mm. that could be something that we struggle with so much because we're living in our country and we come here mm. and we don't know better yeah. sometimes. And yeah. we do things without not knowing. But this is why I call my podcast Immigrate I love because it. we're immigrating yes. and while immigrated, we're learning, we're changing the narratives, yeah. we're changing our story, yeah. we're changing all the things that people say about us and do about us, right? Mm. So 
it's it's all compact. And Nancy, again, thank you so much for just being so authentic. I really like you so much. Thank I want to talk to you for me. an hour. <laughs> thank you. For um, but yes, I. It was a pleasure having you, and just I know I'm gonna have you back here for sure. The spirit is telling me that. Thank you, Tasha. And I just want to say thank you for everything. Right. You too. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy to have this conversation. It does feel like, you know, like I know you already. So, yeah, let's um, stay in touch. All right. Thanks. Um, oh, this was another great episode um, with Nancy. And um, as I rightly said in my interview, she's going to be my new aunt. Um, when I do these really interviews with this passionate, um, powerful woman in the world, I always they, they always have some impact on me. And this episode is none different. And I just want to thank you again to listen to another episode of Immigrate. Let's continue immigrating our mind, soul, and body. Immigrate. <laughs>